Well, that was certainly on the creepy side, wasn't it? It's definitely a great way to get this podcast episode started, but let me go ahead and warn you ahead of time. This episode is not for the faint-hearted. Listener discretion is advised. What's going on, professionally silly listeners? I'm your audible boo thing, Amber Smiles Jones, and this is the Professionally Silly Station recorded on the Anchor app. And it's the podcast where you can experience some silly, some creepy, some random, and of course, some weird. What can I say? I find a lot of things entertaining. Hosted by a comedian and a YouTuber going bankrupt in Los Angeles. Yes, I'm a YouTuber. Try not to judge me on that too much. Um, Before we get started, I have a favor to ask. If you are listening to this podcast on iTunes, click the pause button for a second. Go to iTunes and rate and review the Professionally Silly Podcast. This actually helps get my podcast out there and, uh, you know, heard by new listeners. And it would be very helpful and it doesn't cost you a thing. Support your girl and share the Professionally Silly Podcast podcast with a friend. Okay, so I I guess I got, I should probably stop begging at this point. All right, so let's um, go ahead and get down to this episode. Uh, Last week, we indulged in some scary ghost stories and we had a creepy blast together. If you haven't heard that episode yet, no worries, it's not too late. The link is below in the description box of this episode in the episode notes. And uh, this week, we are going to keep the creepy tone this week. So we're going to explore scary phone calls and messages and the stories behind them. And in my opinion, there is, there's really nothing scarier in this world than reality. Reality isn't something that can always be ignored. No matter how hard we try to escape it, reality is always around the corner. You know, you never, you, you ever get a phone call that freaked you out? What, what did you do? What, what is it? Like, who was calling you? Let's take a listen to a few of these scary, horrifying phone messages and the stories behind them because I got to tell you guys this <laughs> just picking a few of them and the ones that I went through there are some terrifying people and and then in this world and there's also people going through terrifying things Whew, before we get to that if you do enjoy the professionally silly podcast make sure you call in or text my Google Voice number and uh, let me know, 805-664-1828. Or tweet me on Twitter at TrueSmilesJones, T-R-U-S-M-I-L-E-S, Jones. And you can tweet me or call me or text me about this or any podcast episode that we've done. I love getting tweets from you guys. And, uh, you know, you will get to hear yourself on the air. So that's awesome. (laughs) Also, uh, I've got some um, really amazing kick-ass information to share with those of you who are interested in starting your own podcast for free. And then... We are going to get down and dirty into these horrifying, terrifying phone calls and messages. Come 
join the podcasting community and share your voice here on Anchor. Now, a lot of people out there, they think, you know, they don't have anything to say or or they wonder who would listen to them. And you will be surprised at the amount of people who view the world the same way as you. Or hell, maybe they want to learn your view of the world or maybe they just think your voice is sexy. Who knows? Plus, the topics are endless, <laughs> you know, and it's a lot of fun. But the point is, give yourself a chance Your voice is just as important as everyone else's. And if you, by the way, guys, if you're already a member of the Smile Squad, I appreciate your support. And if this is your first time listening to the station, thank you so much for joining me. And if you haven't already, go ahead and tap that subscribe slash favorite button so that you can be notified whenever I upload new podcast episodes, which is every Friday. Okay, so let's get to these creepy phone messages, my friend, because let me tell you, it, yeah, I guess that's all I can really tell you. (laughs) Let's get to it. I'll say that that uh, orchestra warm-up certainly set a tone, didn't it? (laughs) Let's go ahead and get to our first phone message. And we're going to go ahead and rewind it back to the very first message you heard when the podcast, when this podcast episode started. To me, that sounded like he was saying, I'm going to kill you. I I hear that three times. I hear bitch and I hear whore uh, towards the end of the clip. Now, what you all don't know about this clip. Actually, you know what? Since we're talking about amazing sound that makes a podcast, check this out. I'm going to hit play here. We've got ourselves some ambiance music. Ooh right? I'm not supposed to tell you what it is, right? Is that against like professional podcasting rules? I don't know. Anyway, let's do this. Let me see here. Ah, mm, scary. Okay. So the audio clip is actually a voice left behind by the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez. Ramirez is a well-known American serial killer who burglarized and sexually assaulted women. And it's said that he has raped over 50 women and killed 11 of them between the years of 1978 and 1986 in California. Now, I got to say, it's always creepy to find out shit like this uh, that has happened where you live. So this was definitely a podcast episode that was very difficult for me uh, to research because I live in Los Angeles. So, yeah. 
Anyways, his home invasion uh, crime spree petrified the residents of Los Angeles and San Francisco, where we actually took a small dive into Richard Ramirez and the dark history behind the Cecil Hotel podcast that we did uh, earlier this September. I'll go ahead and uh, be sure to include that link in the episode notes below. But getting back to the serial killer, the medium named him the Night Stalker. Now, Ramirez would call a lot of his victims before he attacked them. And the call you just heard was Ramirez himself. The Night Stalker was born on April 10th, 1984. And this was his first known killing. Now, this is when it came into light. Now, a nine-year-old girl was found murdered in a hotel basement where Ramirez was staying in San Francisco. He had beaten, stabbed, and sexually assaulted this young girl until she died, That's, which is fucking horrible. Now, he carelessly, carelessly hung her body from a pipe where she was later found. I, I gotta say, child deaths are always the hardest to learn about or hear about because, you know, they're kids and it's, ugh, like I said before, listener discretion is definitely advised here. Now, after he killed them, um, oh, excuse me, he would uh, creep around people's homes and sneak in murder as many people as he could in any way possible. And he actually once slit a woman's throat so deep that she was almost decapitated, which is really kind of, ugh. And every now and then he would allow someone to live, but not before he severely beat or raped them. Now, after killing them, he would burglarize the home uh, looking for anything of value And if you told him you had nothing else to give, he would make you swear on Satan. Now he could, he would even draw pentagons on the victim's bodies or on their hands with lipstick. And these types of horrid crimes continued until he was finally captured and convicted of 13 counts of murder, five attempted murders, 11 sexual assaults, and 14 burglaries on September 20th, 1989. And he was sentenced to die in the gas chamber to which his last words were, big deal, death always went with the territory. See you in Disneyland. Ugh. And the most annoying part is he was on death row for a long time, but he did not die in the gas chamber. Yeah, he died like in his 50s in prison, like in 2013, I think it was. And all of our tax dollars have gone to keeping his ass alive, which I fucking hate. But can you imagine getting a phone call from a guy like that? No, (laughs) ma'am, not I. Um, But there is so much more to the Night Stalker story and how he became who he was and why he did what he did and so much more. But that might be another podcast episode another time. Let me know if you guys want me to do a separate podcast about Ramirez or topics like him. Call or text my Google voice number 805-664-1828 and uh, let me know or tweet me on Instagram, True Smiles Jones. All that all that information should be below in the episode notes. Now, I... I <laughs> 
Oh my god, now that I think about it, creepy phone calls being the subject of this episode, I'm regretting giving you guys my number now. Ugh. Oh, goodness gracious. First of all, I want to go ahead and apologize for any random background sounds that you hear in this podcast. Um, (laughs) I am recording from my studio apartment in the very loud Los Angeles, California. Uh, If you hear my annoying ass neighbor and, and their dog barking in the background, my bad. Also, my neighbors above me. I believe what they do for a living is they just move boulders from one side of their apartment to the next. It's the only way I can really describe the annoying sound. But anyways, see, there you go. There's a car horn there. (laughs) But my apologies, work with me. I am saving up to get myself um, some sound equipment that will help with this podcast and at least kind of cover the background sounds that you hear. So that being said, let's go ahead and get to this next interesting story here. So this next one is interesting um, for more than one reason. The first reason is because this story uh, was creepy AF, not to mention I love a good conspiracy theory. But the biggest reason I'm excited about this story is because it was suggested and shared with me uh, by a fellow podcaster. And she is one of the co-hosts of the podcast State of Crime. And if you are a a true crime addict like me, then you definitely need to check out their podcast. They are available pretty much everywhere podcasts are found, including iTunes and Spotify. Um, This is this one's for you, Kaylin, (laughs) of the State of Crime podcast. So I actually hadn't heard of the story myself, so I had to do some research on it. And it's it's quite interesting. So let me share with you. Uh, Kaylin's message that she sent me. Uh, Her message reads, there is a man named Henry McCabe who had disappeared and his body was found two months later. He had zero wounds on his body and they eventually concluded his death as an accident. Well, the night he went missing, his wife got got a two minute voicemail from him But where it gets weird is that you cannot find the full voicemail anywhere. You also cannot find the autopsy report. And this, there is very little actual info about his death and what happened to him. My own theory is that he was abducted by aliens, then dumped where he was found, and that the government knows what happened and is covering it up. Which would, be, which would be why he had no wounds, no visible cause of death, and why they won't release the entire voicemail or the autopsy. And from what you can find of the voicemail, there are parts that I hear is unexplainable. It does not sound animalistic or human. Okay, so clearly... She has grabbed my attention with this voicemail and with this message. And that's what, you know, kind of got me to go take a listen. And this this was very recent, actually. It was 2015. So I I went to the interweb, as you guys know, I like to call it. And I could not find the full voicemail either. 
it's it's like I, I legit searched like four websites. So obviously it was a very thorough search. <laughs> but you can always search for yourselves, you know, on Google or go daddy, go daddy it. I don't know. Okay. Um, <laughs> so this is the first clip that I could find um, on a video that has been shared many times on YouTube. And um, ABC News, they they did they did share this story, and I I gotta tell you, it is very interesting. So if you want to go ahead and you want to find this story and you want to watch it for yourself, you can just Google the Henry McCabe call, and it'll pop right up. So let's go ahead and take a listen. It's a voicemail unlike anything you've ever heard before. There are two minutes worth of noises. Bizarre ones. With very little actual talking, authorities confirmed the disturbing middle-of-the-night call came from Henry McCabe's cell phone. It was Labor Day, September 7th at 2.28 in the morning. McCabe's worried wife heard the message. His and my cell phone connected. Minnesota Community Policing Services is a nonprofit agency and acts as a go-between with police and the Liberian community. The leader is trying to help the family make some sense of this recording. The growls turned to high-pitched moans. So, like, like he's moaning in pain? Like moaning in pain. The tortured grunts suddenly stop. There is silence. Then someone, either Henry or another person, says, stop it. I try to picture where he was, um, what it might have been like, what circumstances would have made him sound like that. The voicemail is in stark contrast to other articulate recordings of McCabe speaking at an event. He's a state auditor. What is the justification? What is the right thing to do? The message is one piece of evidence Mounds View police are reviewing. The police chief tells me even the FBI is analyzing the recording and voices for clues. The chief says the investigation took deputies here on Tuesday. To Rice Creek Park which borders New Brighton, Moundsview, and Fridley, all areas where McCabe was reported seen or a cell phone ping placed him. Ramsey County Water Patrol searched but came up empty. Now, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't agree with Kaylin on the alien theory. I love and respect her point of view, but in my opinion, anytime something is unexplained, people tend to jump to aliens. Now, I'm not saying I don't believe in aliens or anything like that, but the autopsy report and the full voicemail, when that's act until that's released, we are unable to scratch off any logical theories. Now, speaking of Kaylin, make sure you guys once again check out the States of Crime podcast and uh, join us <laughs> on their Facebook discussion page because I am there quite frequently. Um, and also, shout out to Elena, the other amazing co-host of the States of Crime podcast. Their dynamic is so interesting. Elena was actually Kaylin's teacher when she was in high school. So that's awesome and random and I fucking love it. And I'm a true crime addict and they definitely provide me with my fix so anyways um <laughs> now that i can let me just go ahead and remove my lips from kaylin and elena's asses and let's get to my theory on that phone call so my theory is henry 
could have been waterboarded. Now, those sounds to me, uh, they sound a lot like that. And it would explain the gurgling sounds that I thought I heard. And my friend Lee and I argued about what the sound could be previously. And she thought it was him choking on his own blood. But as the reports say, his body was found with no bruises, cuts, or abrasions. Plus, we can't see the autopsy. My waterboarding theory could also be supported because his body was found in a lake. So if water was found in his lungs, they could, you know, that would not, you know, be out of the ordinary. I, I really don't know on this one, guys. There are so, there are a lot of theories out there as well. Now, some people say that he was tased and that that would explain the sounds that he made. When I went online, I found videos on YouTube of police officers being tased and um, it's something that they all kind of have to go through in order to be certified to carry and use a taser. And anyway, that sound, to me, it sounds uh, like Henry did. Those sounds were similar to me as someone being hit and, and tased to me. But I couldn't find the full video anywhere that would allow me to hear the sound of the taser as well, if indeed that was the case. Aliens tasers, waterboarding, or whatever your theory is, one thing is for sure. The government doesn't want us to know the truth about what happened. After all, he was a government employee. Okay, listeners. Let's get into the next scary phone message. See, this one is a bit different because it's actually a 911 call. This woman managed to untie herself and call the police for help when her abductor was asleep in the same room as she was in. Now imagine yourself in her position, not knowing what to do, but also knowing one wrong move, one wrong decision could be the end of your life. What would you do in that situation? Would you run? Would you fight back? Would you be compliant? There is really no way to know which tactic will save your life. But one thing is for sure, you won't know unless, God forbid, you're in her situation. Now, a lot of people, when they are afraid, they tend to freeze or panic. She didn't do either of those things. She stayed as calm as she could and took a risk, a risk that saved her life. Spoil alert, guys, she made it out safely. I found this news clip online that shares the 911 call with us. Take a listen. 911, what is the address to your emergency? I just lost street laundry mat. What is it? Fourth, fourth street laundry mat. What's the problem? I've been abducted. The 911 call is chilling. What's your laundry mat? No, I'm, I'm in the bedroom with them. You don't know what color the house is? No. Please hurry. 
a woman pleading for help. Her accused abductor sleeping in the same room. Does he have a weapon? Speaking in a whisper, the woman's fear is palpable. Is there any way you can get out of the building? I don't know without waking him, and I'm scared. Is there a bathroom in the house? Well, his bedroom is closed, and he made it so it would make noise. And if you told me how to go to the bathroom, he would do something to you? Yeah, because he had me tied up. Are you tied up now? Well, I... The dispatcher encouraging the caller to stay on the line until police arrive at the abandoned house. Then silence. Minutes pass as the woman waits desperately. Are you still there? I'm a What? Finally, officers arrive and the caller works up the courage to leave the bedroom. Can you get out of the house? It's locked. Are you at the door? Yeah, I am. She's at the door. Is there a window there? Yeah, I'm looking out and they're coming to come back. She said, hurry, hurry. She said to hurry up and come back. After some 20 minutes on the line, the woman is rescued. Wow, hurry up, hurry up. Get out of here. Where is he? Inside, police arrest 40-year-old Sean Great before finding two bodies, including the remains of Stacy Stanley, a grandmother who went missing last week. Great also leading police to a third body in the rubble of a burned-out home nearby. Wow. Guys, I... I can't even imagine... I I don't know what I would do in that situation. I I guess it's one of those things you really don't know unless you're in it. Plus, Homeboy had already killed two other women. That that shit is wild as fuck. I am super glad that she was able to get some help and the cops were able to apprehend that sick fuck. Ugh. I said the word fuck super hard. Okay, (laughs) I meant it. So why don't we go ahead and get ready for our fourth and final scary, horrific, terrifying phone call. Okay, guys, this this call sent shivers down my spine, and I, I need to once again remind you guys that listener discretion is advised. What you're about to hear is horrifying and was difficult to listen to. It is a 911 call from a woman calling for help, but may have been killed during the call. And um, I... I, I <laughs> I say may have been killed because it's not certain whether or not this phone call is actually real. No concrete information can be found on the woman, the incident, or the 911 call itself. Nothing but speculation, 
floods the internet and of course websites like reddit have many theories as to what actually happened i have heard this this 911 call and i i must say it sounds real to me and it is said that uh, that the call was a training call for new dispatchers on what not to do and that seems to be the most popular theory floating around online so <laughs> let's go ahead and have a listen to this 911 call and rem- please remember this is not for the faint hearted so okay here we go Some guy been uh, taking the place out. Oh, well, he went in the back. I have an apartment in the back, and he said he was looking for a guy. And he comes to my door, and yeah, and uh, said he's uh, looking for an apartment. So I'm, I live alone, and I'm an old lady. Mm-hmm. So where, where is he now, ma'am? I don't have no idea. about you guys but it it sounds real to me and the way she speaks the way she paused in the beginning of the conversation it was as if she was trying to look around to see if she could hear something or see something and her screams were horrifying I I don't know if that can be faked but I I guess anything can be these days but So I went online to see if I could find anything on Ruth or this incident and all I could find were theories, which I would love to share with you now. Um, Now, one of the reasons that I believe that that it is a 911 training call of what not to do is because a lot of things were done wrong, believe it or not. The 911 operator handled the call, the phone call wrong from the very beginning. From what I understand, a 911 operator is supposed to ask for your location first. They need to have that information immediately so that if it is a life or death emergency, they can get someone to you as quickly as possible. And if you if you live in a white neighborhood, then, you know, they'll be there immediately. <laughs> if not, you know, good luck. But all right, y'all know I had to say some shit and to throw it in there. Sorry. All right, so let me stop being stupid. Okay, so the reason they are supposed to ask your location is to save time. If you tell them the whole story before they know where you are, you're wasting precious minutes. It makes sense to me. Now, she also didn't ask any follow-up questions and stayed pretty much silent during the screams. Now, I've never been a 911 operator. I don't even think I know a 911 operator. So if we have one listening, email me, DM me, call me, let me know. What, what, is, what should she have done, the 911 operator? What could she have done that could have possibly changed things, helped things? I don't know. 
so all, all that information, um, yeah, I don't know all that. So let me know. Another issue that I have a problem with is if, if this call is so famous and is being used for tra- for training video purposes and, and, uh, and it's all over the internet and it's teaching 911 operators on what not to do. Why isn't there any solid information on this case? Did they catch the guy? How long did it take? Had he hurt anyone else? Who the hell was he? Was he actually convicted? And if so, how many years did he get? There's so many unanswered questions. Why can't we find any information on this case? Perhaps it happened during a time before the internet was a thing. Maybe the courts wanted to keep this case quiet and didn't release anything to the public. Maybe that's why no one can find any newspaper articles or clippings on it either. I I don't know. (laughs) I know what you're thinking. There is, there's a lot of maybes going on here and I completely agree with you. Unfortunately, I don't have the answers, but I can provide you with more questions. So, <laughs> so um, here's, here's more questions for you, actually. Who is Ruth? Where is she? Where did this happen? You know, one man from Reddit seems to think he has those answers. He also, he also agrees uh, that the 911 call was real. He also says that the, that the call indeed was for emergency dispatchers on what not to do for, uh, for all the reasons that I mentioned earlier. The Reddit user reports that the 911 call from, is actually from 1988, which does predate the internet. And he also goes on to say that the caller's name was Ruth Price and was in fact killed by an intruder and that intruder was not apprehended. Uh, There is actually a second source that corroborates this. An individual using the name HNDLC3 posted on the forum officer.com in uh, June 2002 and he stated that the Ruth Price 911 call was played to him during a dispatcher class. Um, So he shares this, he writes this. I've heard this one before. This is the tape that has stuck with me the last few years. It it has reminded me not to treat every call as routine. During my dispatcher class, our instructor pointed out how the dispatcher sounded disinterested and in this lady's problem. Had she not cut her off from giving her the address, the police may have been there sooner. I don't know if the agency had an A&I, ALI or E911 when this happened, but our instructor said that it took a while to find her. Obviously, too late. So that's what he had to share. So he actually heard this phone call in a dispatcher class. So that sounds plausible. Um, The same poster later states that the prowler was never apprehended. By the way, guys, A&I, it stands for Automatic Number Identification, and it's automatic display at the Public Safety Answering Point, also known as the PSAP. Um, it's actually a dispatch center where the operators receive 
911 calls, uh, you know, and dispatch fire, police, or medical services to where they need to go. Each phone number and physical location to which it corresponds to are stored in an ALI database, automatic location identification, and the um, the ANI acts as a callback number in case the operator loses connection to the caller. So both ANI and ALI are very important to E911 services. Now E911 stands for Enhanced 911 and it's a service that automatically displays the telephone number and physical location of the 911 caller on the emergency operator screen. This is unlike basic 911 service where the distressed caller has to tell the operator where he or she is calling from. E911 is crucial in circumstances where the caller cannot communicate his or her uh, whereabouts as it ensures the operator is still able to send emergency response services to the correct location. Now E911 also involves selective routing whereby the 911 call is routed to the appropriate PSAP, public safety answering point, based on the caller's physical location. So yeah, wow, we just learned a lot about the 911 service. Its history is actually pretty interesting, uh, but maybe in another podcast we can go into why the 911 service was created, and it wasn't really that long ago, it was in the 70s. And uh, it's it's very interesting story and also kind of fucked up. So um, let's get back to Ruth Price. In 2017, a photo of her finally emerged on the A&E channel uh, for the Spanish installment of, of that channel. And they claimed that the photo was Ruth. And guess what? There was no further information about the source of the photograph, of course. And so uh, <laughs> the photo of Ruth Price online is just another part of the mystery and yet another question added to the list of many questions. <laughs> there was uh, a website called Find a Grave that had a listing for Ruth Price and the years on the tombstone read 1905 to 1988. Now, her uh, resting place is in Shady Grove Cemetery in Polk County, Missouri. And earlier I mentioned that uh, a Reddit user using uh, a Reddit user saying that 1988 was the year that the phone call was made. So that part adds up. If it's indeed the same Ruth Price, which I should point out is a super common name, but if it was her, and she was born and she was indeed born in 1905 that would place to her about 80 years old so it, it if that's the case then her describing herself as an old lady in the 911 call was also extremely accurate and of course don't forget this time frame still predates the internet and unfortunately this 911 call still remains a mystery how it got online to be shared around the world is beyond me. If it's indeed a real call, then it must have been leaked. But if that's the case, then why wouldn't they leak more information about it? Ugh, okay, so it's so frustrating to end a case like this on a damn question mark, but <laughs> there is nowhere else to go with it unless more information is finally provided.
Oh, wow. I I certainly hope that you guys enjoyed yourself as much as I did researching and recording this. Uh, so much happened in this in this episode. We heard some frightening phone calls and messages. We talked about the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez. We talked about the mysterious call from Henry McCabe. We talked about the woman who had to whisper a 911 call for help. And we also talked about the horrifying call from Ruth Price to 911. If there is anything that you take from this podcast episode, it's always have your cell phone charged for emergencies, stay away from serial killers, and live in a rich white area to receive help from police a lot faster. Just throwing that out there. Um, Listeners, do me a favor. Please share the Professionally Silly Podcast with a friend and go to iTunes to rate and review this podcast. I feel like I've earned five stars, but I am a little biased. Um, But it's, I mean, it's absolutely free. So to review the podcast, it costs you nothing. What do you have to lose? Plus, it is a great way to help my podcast reach new ear canals Um, because I'm just a girl in Los Angeles chasing the dream. And hopefully you guys can help me catch them. That'd be awesome. Um, as I said before, every now and then we will sprinkle in some of the creepy and the scary into this podcast because why not? And also make sure you guys check out the links in the, uh, in the episode notes below. Lots of bonus information for you guys there. Uh, like my social media information. I've got TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, by the way. I love reading your tweets, so tweet a sister. Okay. Um, we, uh, what else I got going on? Oh, um, I've got a YouTube channel that is also called Professionally Silly. So yeah, I'm one of those YouTubers. I know, I know. Leave me alone. And so join in on the silly visually. So follow, subscribe, fan me, whatever you want to call it. Let's let's have a good time together. Let's be entertained together. So um, I have another information I want to share with you, some more info, professionally listeners. Um, if you are enjoying my podcast and you, I've got great news if you're enjoying it, okay? If you like the Professionally Silly Podcast and you would like to support my podcast, guess what? Now you can. You can now make monthly contributions to my podcast, literally as low as 99 cents a month, $4.99 or $9.99 a month right here on the Anchor app. And if you have commitment issues or you don't have the Anchor app, there's always PayPal. There's no excuse. You cannot escape. Um, (laughs) So definitely PayPal me at www.paypal.me slash Amber Smiles Jones. This will help the professionally silly uh, go to another level. And let's be honest, a lot of time and effort goes into creating content. It's super awesome to have the opportunity to better my podcast and better the professionally silly brand. Plus, you know, a bitch has bills and chasing dreams is expensive AF. So super excited to go on this journey with all of you, Smile Squad. Thank you so much ahead of time for your support and any future contributions. Once again, I'm your audible boo thing, Amber Smiles Jones, and I thank you so much for listening to the Professionally Silly Station here on Anchor FM, where I take my silliness seriously. 
So <laughs> feel free to call in about any episode uh, of Professionally Silly that you have heard. If you don't have the Anchor app, you can call in or text me 805-664-1828. Once again, 805-664-1828. Tell me which episode that you listened to and share your opinion, whatever it may be, and get to hear your voice on the air, which is always cool. (laughs) Until next time, my loves, watch where you step because there are pieces of shit everywhere. As a matter of fact, we're in the process of trying to impeach one of those fuckers right now. (laughs) Ah, I should stop. Self-destruct sequence activated.